Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. As we closed last week's broadcast, we had just begun to look at brain science breakthrough number four. Let me reset that one for you. Breakthrough number four is the narrative engine. The brain magnet, the joy bucket, and the on-off switch are all related to activity on the right side of your brain. This fourth breakthrough has to do with what is happening on the left side of your brain. Marcus sometimes calls the left side of the brain the narrative engine. That is because this part of your brain spins narratives to help you explain life. His friend and board-certified psychiatrist Carl Lehman calls the narrative engine the verbal logical explainer. Now that's a mouthful, but it means the engine on the left side of your brain likes to find words to offer rational explanations to what you are experiencing. Marcus shares with us an interaction between he and his wife Brenda. When I get into an argument with Brenda, the switch in my brain usually turns off and my relational circuit shut down. My narrative engine tends to race with the storyline of how she always treats me like this. To support this narrative, I often recall events that seem to prove my point and reinforce the way I feel about her. I remember one such fight. I shut down relationally and quit talking. I went into another room and my narrative engine started working hard at creating a storyline that made Brenda the source of all my problems. However, in the middle of the meltdown, Something strange happened. You know, I think it was God. A new thought entered my head that didn't fit the narrative I was creating. This thought said, Be careful, Marcus. She is precious and fragile. Don't break her. Along with the new thought came a picture of a delicate china teacup. I recognized the significance of the metaphor, and within a matter of moments, a new narrative about Brenda began to form in my mind. She wasn't a problem to be solved or a taskmaster making my life miserable. She was lovely, and yes, fragile, and deep down, all she wanted was to be loved. As this new narrative took root, I could feel my relational circuits click back on. My appreciation returned. I found myself wanting to be kind and gentle with her. Narratives are powerful. What you believe about your wife or husband will have a profound effect on how you treat and feel about him or her. Take a moment and reflect. What lies do you believe about your husband or wife that need to be exposed? What is the truth you need to focus on that will change the way you see them? Here are some examples from Marcus. One woman saw her husband as a clown. Another as a ball and chain keeping her from flying. One husband saw his wife as a monster who was ruining his life. You can see how pictures like these could stir up very negative emotions that would make it very hard to share intimacy or feel love. Marcus and Chris share one more brain breakthrough. The relational circuits in your brain are primarily composed of mirror neurons. These neurons learn by watching other people in action and imitating those actions. According to them, this means you can't train the relational right side of your brain by reading a book or making better choices. You have to react with another person in order to train your mirror neurons. Joy isn't simply a choice you make. Trying to choose joy can feel like trying to fall asleep when you have insomnia. 
Joy is a feeling you get when you are happy to be with someone who is happy to be with you. If you have grown up without a lot of relational joy, it is going to take some focused work before joy will become a habit. Even if you grew up in a relatively happy home, there are definitely forces that work against your efforts at living with joy. Let's look at a few of the most common obstacles to sharing joy with another person. If you think of marriage as a dance, most of us start our marriages wanting to be as close to each other as possible. Sometimes it can feel like we will never lose our joy because we are so in love. However, most marriages experience something Marcus calls the button dance. It works like this. Imagine that you have a powder keg in your belly in which you keep all the pain and emotional baggage from your past. Now imagine that you have buttons that cover the outside of your body with wires that connect them to this powder keg. As long as no one pushes your buttons, your issues stay nicely tucked away inside and things run smoothly. In fact, if you get really good at avoiding situations that push your buttons, you can start to feel like you don't have any issues. However, sooner or later, everybody gets their buttons pushed. And when that happens, look out. Things can get explosive in a hurry. When you push your partner's buttons and the powder keg erupts, it lets out a torrent of pent-up emotions. Stunned and confused by this outburst, you may feel like backing away from the other person and wonder to yourself, Okay, who are you? And what happened to the person I married? When the powder keg erupts, something new enters the dance, and that's fear. We may not be sure what triggered the eruption, but we know we don't feel as safe as we did before it happened. The more often we push each other buttons, the more fear we feel in our marriage. As we said in a previous broadcast, fear drives us apart and robs us of intimacy. We may stay in the dance, but we become masters of avoidance. Soon we learn there are issues that simply aren't safe to talk about, so we avoid them. As these topics and situations accumulate, our avoidance grows until we find that the joy gap in our marriage is starting to feel beyond hope. This is why you often see people who have stayed married for 50 years or more but have a painful lack of intimacy in their marriage. They remain together, but the button dance has driven them into living separate lives. It is like watching someone try to grow a garden in a desert. A second problem that works against sharing joy is fear mapping. The term refers to the habit we develop of scanning our environment for problems to fix instead of looking for blessings to appreciate. In an earlier broadcast, we talked about two kinds of attachment, joy bonds or fear bonds. A joy bond is an attachment to someone in which we feel secure. A fear bond is an attachment in which we are never quite sure where we stand with the other person or we are quite certain of where we stand, and it isn't good. According to Marcus and Chris, people who grow up with fear bonds without secure attachments learn how to fear map their world. They have trained their brains to look for whatever is scariest in their environment. As a result, they tend to fixate on problems to be solved and pain to be avoided. When pain and problems are the focus of your brain's activity, it is virtually impossible to grow joy. I've talked about Dr. John Gottman and the Gottman Institute at the University of Washington. 
I was privileged to receive some training there a couple of years ago. In Dr. Gottman's book, The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work, he describes the habits that distinguish master marriages from disaster marriages. He defines a master marriage as one in which the relationship is still healthy after six years. A disaster marriage is one that either ended or was in serious trouble within six years. Marcus and Chris have looked at Dr. Gottman's master marriages and say that, in their opinion, these couples were joy-bonded. They had developed the habit of appreciation and entering into each other's joy. For example, if the wife showed excitement about her book club, the husband didn't just say, that's nice, and keep watching TV. He would enter into the conversation and share his wife's joy about her book club. Marcus relates a story about one marriage he was very familiar with. The wife said how much her husband loved NASCAR and decided to enter into that with him, even though she didn't know anything about it. She actually bought The Complete Idiot's Guide to NASCAR before attending their first race together. It was a lot of fun for her as she began to realize that she knew more about the history of the sport than most of the diehard fans surrounding them. This wasn't just a one-way street, either. Her husband started watching HGTV in order to share his wife's love of home improvement. By consistently entering into one another's interests, the sphere of life they share together has grown, which has helped to shrink the joy gap in their marriage. In some marriages, though, the habits of appreciation and a sharing joy never develop. Instead, resentment and fear grow into habits. As we've already said, when fear serves as your brain's default setting, you tend to develop some bad habits like avoidance. I'd rather be texting on my phone or watching TV than talking to you. Anger. It's your fault. I'm upset. I was perfectly happy watching TV and texting. Why do you have to be so needy? An addiction. I can't wait until my first glass of wine. Or, I just need to get away from all of this as you search for porn on the Internet. The longer the gap between moments of shared joy in your marriage, the more fertile the soil for resentment. If your marriage has been dominated by the button dance and fear mapping, you can guarantee that resentment has become a big issue. If you think of the wrong done to you like a weight that is placed on a scale, forgiveness can feel very unjust almost as though you're supposed to take the weight off the scale and simply pretend nothing happened. Remember, forgiveness does not erase your memory or take away your scars. Forgiveness has nothing to do with your emotions. You may not feel like forgiving. It is an act of the will. Forgiveness does not mean there are no consequences for your behavior. Healthy marriages are filled with forgiveness, not resentment. Reconciliation is different from forgiveness. Reconciliation is about restoring trust, and that takes time. It takes two to reconcile. It only takes one to forgive. Well, our time is gone for today. We'll pick up here next week. As I close today's program, I want to encourage you to join me each Monday morning for Mum Live at 10 a.m. on my Mutual Understanding Method Facebook page, I go live with some teaching about areas of your relationship where mutual understanding is critical. If you can't watch the live broadcast, you can watch the recording at a later time 
on the Mutual Understanding Method Facebook page. I would love to have you join me. Well, have a great and safe weekend. God bless. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at pastorgary at cloverdalechurch.org. To know more about the church, go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thanks for listening and be blessed.